Hello, I'm Joel Nelson, and this is the Joel vs. Arthritis podcast. Hello, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Saruthi Nairathan, an active member of the Instagram arthritis community, volunteer for NRAS, the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society here in the UK, friend and great source of support to me personally, and I'm sure many others listening to this podcast. Uh, This is a special episode of the podcast, as not only do we hear Saruthi's personal story, but we also celebrate and raise awareness of JIA at NRAS's Wear Purple for JIA Day, uh, which this year falls um, this Friday, the 18th of June. Uh, But as part of their Wear Purple for JIA Day, which you can get involved in using the hashtag Wear Purple for JIA, um, they're also running a Wellbeing Week, um, which is a new full week of sessions and events um, running all week from Monday the 14th to Friday the 18th. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Sarithi. Um, <laughs> feels like after all the Zoom calls we've been on together in recent weeks and months and various campaigns, um, it's nice to be able to sort of finally get you on for a chat. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. You? Yeah, good. Thank you very much. I'm busy, but <laughs> better to be that way. <laughs> so, um, so just get the ball rolling. For anyone that's sort of not familiar with you or the amazing stuff that you do to raise awareness, um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself um, and your condition? Yeah, so um, I'm 22. I'm actually turning 23 this Friday. Um, and I've had JIA since I was three. So it's it's been a while. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I don't... Yeah, I obviously had it since I was three, but I was in remission for a bit from the age around 10 to 11 to about 18. And then it came back. And obviously now I deal with it myself instead of my parents. So it's uh, sort of prompted me to sort of, you know, learn more about it. And that's kind of when I realised there's not that much awareness about the fact that young people can get arthritis and also about JIA, which is why I sort of started working with charities such as NRAS to kind of help raise that awareness. And um, just just because you touched upon it there, um, how did you find that sort of, because it's an experience that I had very much myself. I went from being a child with arthritis where sort of everyone was looking out for me to suddenly you're in the adult world and you have to sort of be your own champion and, and advocate. Um, did you did you find that that was like a sudden thing or did you sort of just realise that, 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 that the goalposts were moving on that, I suppose, over the years? Um, well, I mean, by now I'm used to it, but at first it was such a big shock because my arthritis actually came back um, a month before going away to university and I was away from home. And, you know, before it'd be like, my parents would be like, okay, here's your medication, take it. Okay, we're going to an appointment today. Okay, you've got to go to this, you've got to go to that. Whereas now it's just me, you know, and it just feels like there's so much sort of admin and cause involved, you know, like booking blood tests and calling up the rheumatology department and yeah, it feels like a lot of work sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. <laughs> um, and in terms of your diagnosis story, I suppose that's a little bit um, more challenging for you with it happening so young. I imagine you don't have too many sort of memories from it. But um, is there anything you want to share with that for anyone that's listening that sort of might have, um, you know, their own child in that sort of similar position or, or, or what to look out for? Yeah, so it was weird because... Um, so I was diagnosed when I was three, but my parents had suspected something was wrong a lot, a lot, long time before that, because, um, you know, I didn't start sort of crawling or like trying to walk like most kids my age would. And um, they would take me to the GP quite often because they were quite concerned. And the GP just said I was like a late developer. 
Um, but you know, by the time you get to three and you're just still lying on your belly and not doing much else, <laughs> it becomes a bit concerning. But it was only actually after one night, um, I was in a lot of pain. Like I was literally like screaming, I was in agony and they took me to A&E and that's when they actually managed to, one of the doctors um, realized I might have JIA and then they did sort of the tests, blood tests and things like that. And that's actually how I got diagnosed. So I guess my advice, if anyone's, you know, got a child that they're a bit concerned about is to just sort of keep pushing for it because um, it is really difficult. And obviously the sooner you get diagnosed, the sooner you can start getting treated for it before there's any sort of permanent damage. So I guess just keep pushing your doctors to sort of look into it. Brilliant. Thank you for sharing that. Um, how would you say arthritis has sort of changed your life in terms of what impact it's had? I know it's difficult when you've had something for as long as you have. You sort of, it can be difficult to compare what it could have been like without it. But sort of what would you say were the main sort of impacts it's had on your life? Yeah, it's interesting because um, some people I know with arthritis that developed it later in life, they're always comparing themselves to the older them. Whereas I guess for me, there is no sort of old me to compare it to and be like, oh, I used to be able to do this, but now I can't. But I think the impact is as you're growing up, just sort of seeing your limits. Like, um, for example, in school, um, PE was really tricky for me because my teachers were sort of not very clued up on arthritis and their policy was sort of, if you're well enough to be in school, you're well enough to do PE. And it was just always so embarrassing when we'd have to do sort of like running and, you know, people would literally be counting how many times they lapped me because it was almost funny how slow I was. And then at the end, everyone's done and just waiting for me. And it's just, it was really tricky. And also um, sitting cross-legged, that is something that you do in school a lot. And obviously not every teacher in the school knows that I have arthritis. And I felt like I sort of needed a sign because um when there's a lot of people in the hall, you know, they want you to sit cross legs so they can fit more people in. And I would get told off sometimes because they thought I was just sort of being disobedient and not crossing my legs. And I was just there like, no, I physically can't. And then if they give you a chair to sit on, then suddenly everyone knows there's something up and then people start asking questions. So it was always just, the impact for me is just sort of always seeing the differences between me and sort of other people and trying my hardest to blend in um and then at university as well it was quite difficult because it felt like I was new to sort of the arthritis side of my life because it'd been so long since I dealt with it and it came back with a vengeance really <laughs> um it was really difficult sort of managing uni and labs and being a chemistry student I have labs that are compulsory you know if you don't go to every lab you don't get to pass the year and I was having to do makeup labs because I'd missed them or I'd struggle with standing and then people would ask a lot of questions and obviously not as we would very well know a lot of people still think our price is for old people so it's sort of difficult dealing with those comments as well um but I guess ultimately that's kind of led me to where I am today wanting to raise awareness but yeah it's definitely been tricky just always it feels like a constant reminder sometimes when you're with other people about what you can't do yeah and I've used that phrase a constant reminder of need a lot and and yeah I can certainly <laughs> relate to the um the hard concrete floors in primary and middle school and things like that and that was excruciating but obviously in those times at school like you say you want to blend in and when the mm -hmm. alternative is sitting in a chair at the front with all the teachers sometimes as a 14 year old that's the last thing you sort of want to do so it's a very hard um line yeah because normally, yeah, normally the people that sit, that sit on the chairs are people who've had an injury so it's short term yeah but when you're just always needing a chair they're like hmm <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
And in my school as well, it was either that or the people that are in trouble and then you, you instantly get associated <laughs> with the wrong crowd yeah. because you constantly stand on the side <laughs> of the football pitch because you didn't, you know, the people that didn't bring the kit and this sort of thing. Yeah. And sometimes <laughs> saying that was the reason is easier, isn't it, than, than trying mm-hmm. to explain it all. And even as an adult, I find it sometimes easier to just say, yeah, I'm fine, rather than trying to explain it. Yeah. But <laughs> we've got to try and break that. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that. Um, I suppose if you could change one thing, about your condition, either the sort of disease and the symptoms itself or the impact it has on, on your life, what would it be? Um, I think the thing I struggle with the most is how unpredictable it is. You know, you can have a really good day and then wake up the next day and you're basically bound. And I just, I wish there was at least a way to know so I could prepare. It just feels like, it just feels awful because I'm someone who is quite a planner. I like to plan everything. I'm very punctual and stuff like that. So when I have to cancel last minute and like reschedule things all the time it just it makes me feel a bit rubbish really because that's not who I am as a person but I don't I don't really have a choice over that if you know I flare up so I just yeah I think the unpredictability of it if there was a way to know you know <laughs> in two days you're having a flare-up then at least I could prepare for that but cancelling last minute is one of my like least favorite things to do <laughs> And, and it's something that comes up all the while, doesn't it? It's in the community mm-hmm. of people and you speak to other people of arthritis and I don't think, think people get how, because it, it, it's two-sided. You, you bear the brunt of other people's frustration when you have to cancel, but people mm-hmm. don't appreciate as well how devastating it is for you to keep having to do that and missing out as well. So yeah, that's, yeah, just, that's, a, that's a good one. Um, we mentioned earlier on that you sort of do a lot of stuff in the community and, and um, awareness raise and everything. Um, so coming back to that and your Instagram account, which is obviously how you and I connected, which feels like ages ago now, but it was probably a year or two. Um, yeah. What what made you start that? Oh, I know you touched on it slightly already, but what made you start that and, and, and sort of what do you aim to achieve with it? Okay, so um, like I said, I really struggled at university with my condition because um, it got to a point where people actually refused to like believe me because just because of how unpredictable and like dynamic it is. They were like, I don't get it. Like you can walk. You could walk yesterday, but today you can't. Like it doesn't make sense. And um, I had a lot of drama with some people at university because they just like I literally showed them a diagnosis letter and they still thought I was lying because they were a not convinced that young people can get arthritis even though you can it's literally one google search away to confirm that and b they just thought I was using my condition for like sympathy I guess I don't know like yeah it was very difficult so after that um I actually shut off for a while and stopped telling anyone about my arthritis I was like if I tell people and this is how it's going to be sort of received then I'm not telling anyone um but it was, a really, it was really a struggle because I'm someone that's quite outspoken. So to hide this part of me, because I know a lot of people say, like, don't let your condition define you, but it does define me. It impacts pretty much every element of my life. So it's a big part of me. And after a while, I was just kind of like, screw this. Like, if I'm going through this, there must be other people going through this. And I just wanted to sort of put my story out there so people knew that they weren't alone. Because, I mean, there are thousands of people with JIA or with... Um, rheumatoid arthritis as a young person and you know I just felt like there wasn't enough out there about young people like one thing that used to really worry me was my studies like would I be able to finish because the uni actually recommended I go part-time and for me that was devastating and I managed to finish but I'd put out there you know you can go to university with JIA you can still do all the things you want to do and that's sort of what made me start my Instagram account 
And once I started it, because when I first started it, I actually sort of kept myself anonymous. Like there was no sort of signs of my identity. I think a lot of people start that way. Um, and I just started connecting with more and more people. And it, it just made me feel a lot more empowered to know that I'm not alone as well. Like it, um, I hope my account helps other people, but it definitely helps me connecting with so many people that really understand you. Like I have a lot of great friends that are very empathetic to flare ups and stuff, but people that actually go through it, they get you on that deeper level. And I just hope to keep raising awareness with it because just in my personal life, I've already seen like how much, you know, you can really like change someone's outlook. Like a lot of my friends have told me if it wasn't for me, they wouldn't know just how much arthritis can affect you. Like even if they knew that it affects young people, they didn't realize how many sort of elements there are to it. And it gives me so much sort of faith that like, you know, say if one of my friends is an employer one day and they have an employee with arthritis, they will know how to support them because I've been so vocal about my experiences. So like, if I can make that impact on just, you know, the friends that I see and talk to every day, then hopefully sharing my story on a sort of wider scale can help raise even more awareness. That's brilliant. And and I, I think it's important for you to know that you you do accomplish that already. Like, you know, the whole reason I think we probably connected was because of some of the stuff you shared. And then and then like you say having someone to speak to who gets it, that's that's a game changer. And and our stories are sort of scarily similar in that when I left high school, I saw it as an opportunity for me to be somebody else and basically shut away all the arthritis stuff all the way through uni. Um, you know, to the to the point where I even had a um, disabled student room. It was like three times the size of everyone else's. And when I'd ask how I got it and why there was a seat in my shower and this sort of thing, I would just joke, oh, I know somebody in accommodation. I pulled a few strings and, and look about, I feel really <laughs> guilty about that. But back yeah. then that was just my way of dealing with it. And, and, mm -hmm. and similar to what you said about university, it was actually me failing my third year or having to quit my third year because basically my, I fled because I hadn't told anyone, because I hadn't put any plans in place, there was no way I could continue my studies. And, and that came back to bite me. And then I sort of ended up going back and doing it um, distance learning to get my degree after, after that. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I think in hindsight, if you're a lot more open and honest about these things, it might seem like the wrong thing to do at the time. But I definitely know I would have had a lot more support and not been as isolated. So, um, mm -hmm. so yeah, keep doing what you're doing on Instagram, because I think it's definitely making people see the... Um, the benefits of that and, and starting conversations which is ultimately the you know that's that's the way we sort of conquer this stuff isn't it um so you mentioned instagram i will put it in the show notes but where can people find you on there what's your answer so um i am at fight rheumatoid arthritis on instagram <laughs> brilliant thank you um i just appreciate not everybody looks at the um some people are just listening to it on a dog walk or a commute so they can they yeah can get their phone out now and, and, and go find Sarithi. um you won't regret it it's great content on there of all the people you know of all the people doing the awareness stuff i think it's impossible to miss what you're doing so keep 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 up with that um <laughs> so going from social media to quite a quite a, quite a big question <laughs> what 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 I ask this by a lot of people because it's always fascinating to get the different insights. Um, but if you could say one thing to somebody that's listening to this now and is newly diagnosed with arthritis or suspects they're about to get diagnosed with arthritis, because we all know that that journey isn't a short one um, for many of us, um, what what would your sort of one piece of advice be to them? Um, I think my biggest piece of advice is um, don't give up on your dreams. They are still very much possible. You just have to work around them. Like one thing I found really interesting is um, ever since I was about 
five years old I really want to be an astronaut um and it wasn't one of those things that you just want to do when you're really young like even into my teens I was very keen on that and a lot of people at school be like listen like I don't want to be harsh but it's just not possible with your arthritis it's just not possible and actually the other day someone I went to school with messaged me because the European Space Agency is hiring for astronauts and they're allowing people with disabilities to apply and that is a huge step forward for us and um yeah, just don't give up on any of your dreams because you can still achieve them. It might be, you know, you might go about it differently, but I don't think anything is really off limits. Um, and that's something that I didn't realise for a long time, like especially with university, starting university with, you know, my JIA really sort of kicking my ass. <laughs> like it was difficult. And I really wondered a lot of time, is it possible? Do people with JIA go to university and finish their degrees? Because my university didn't seem to think I could do it normally. They thought I'd have to go like part time and stuff. And I managed to do that. And yeah, just don't give up on your dreams just because of your diagnosis, really. Fantastic advice. And similar story that my doc, I've had the same doctor, unfortunately, to have the same rheumatologist since I was 14. And around that time, he gave a big talk to my parents telling me to, you know, look at desk job careers and push pushed them to buy me a computer and basically said that's the future and fair play you know i'm not i'm grateful for that because clearly he was right and i've got a good career from it but you know that was a devastating thing to hear at 14 when you've got all these big hopes and dreams still that you know all of this stuff's off the table and i can see practically why that conversation happened but at the time i wanted to be a gardener and have my own gardener business of all things that'll be a jockey Aww. randomly <laughs> the two I, I appreciate jockey would be a far far reach with, with my arthritis but but you know I went on and played played rugby in my 30s now if I'd have known that as a 14 year old I probably wouldn't have given up on the on the physical sort of job dream and mm-hmm. um so yeah and I think that's a solid piece of advice because you you have to be mindful and I get a lot of um dms about this asking what advice should I give my 18 year olds and blah 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 and I think yeah you have to be aware of 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 limitations but if they're not limitations at the moment why worry about it <laughs> just go yeah. full steam ahead and keep that um keep riding that way for as long as you can I think so yeah mm-hmm. thanks for that. yeah because even if you can't do it right now you might be able to in the future just don't like completely give up just because of the diagnosis you know yeah yeah totally and there's other things to it so like for example when I had to stop playing rugby you know straight away my mind thought well you know I could get into junior coaching when my son is old enough and there's still there's still ways you can sort of um you know live that dream it might not be in the exact same way that you wanted but then life doesn't work that way for most people anyway you don't want to be a footballer and never make it so I think yeah there's no one needs to tell you can't do something until you physically can't do it and as long as you're not mm-hmm. causing more damage then then knock yourself out <laughs> that's what i'd say yeah. um so thank you for that um moving on uh you mentioned earlier that you volunteer for nras um could you tell us a little bit, bit about that involves but also could you maybe introduce the charity because i appreciate a, a number of listeners um are not from the uk so that so it'd be great mm-hmm. for you to sort of give a bit of insight about what they do over here yeah so NRAS is um, the National Rheumatoid Arthritis Society and they're the UK's sort of leading charity in supporting people with um, rheumatoid arthritis and also JIA, um, Juvenile Idiopathic Arthritis. Um, and they're just a great charity. And I actually first connected with them um, when I went to one of their events. It was um, called Time to Work and it was telling you about, you know, your rights um, when finding a job, like, you know, what your employer kind of has to do by law to support you and you know, just working around it and how how you can sort of make sure that your job is like suitable for you and accessible. And then um, 
I saw they did a Facebook live with some young people talking about their experiences. And that was amazing for me, you know, to see other people sort of similar age talking about their experience. And that's when I realized they had a young voices panel, which works on helping, you know, young people with either JIA or RA and raising awareness and doing lots of different stuff. So I got in touch with them about joining that panel. And that's um, sort of how I started volunteering with them. And yeah, I can't say enough good things about the charity they've really supported me in lots of different stages and if anyone's you know interested then I would definitely get in touch about volunteering with them and um, obviously right now we're in we're into well-being week which is one of their campaigns for people with JIA and it's just amazing to see how much they do to raise awareness. Brilliant and um and yeah I've been following some of those videos and they're great and then like because my personal experience and NRAS was probably the first charity I was introduced to as a child that and back mm -hmm. when uh, versus arthritis was arthritis research UK and and you know it was it was sort of one of those things where um I think there was very much a gap back then between you know kids with arthritis and everybody else with arthritis and as an 11 year old it just didn't really you know sitting in a village hall sort of thing didn't really appeal to me so when I sort of came back to sharing my story and you know after those years of just sort of locking everything away um that was like one of the big eye openers for me I was like, oh wow there's actually juvenile arthritis branches to these places now that cause it just it just wasn't there sort of 15 20 years yeah. ago um so yeah that's brilliant and 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 that sort of leads us on nicely to talk a little bit more about um, Wear Purple for JIA. And, and like I said, um, anyone listening to this who wants to get involved, have a look on Twitter or Facebook under the hashtag Wear Purple for JIA. Um, so as you mentioned, they're doing a wellbeing week this week as well as the day. Um, but basically the wellbeing, the, the whole Wear Purple for JIA, for anyone who's not aware, is an annual campaign dedicated to raising awareness and funds for the benefit of those living with JIA. Uh, this is now run by NRAS after it was originally set up by um, an amazing parent of a child with JIA. Um, the Wellbeing Week, which we've mentioned, um, is full of informative Facebook lives um, and online sessions that you can get involved with. And this runs, as I mentioned earlier, from this Monday, the 14th of June, through to Friday, the 18th of June, with the official Wear Purple for JIA Day um, falling on Friday this year, the 18th of June. Um, I will share all the links for that in the show notes. So whichever platform you're listening to this on, you should find that in the description. Um, Sarufi, I, I have the pleasure of being involved in one of these um, tonight, actually, on Facebook. Um, but it's um, it's great to see that, um, you know, NRAS, an organisation that's typically focused around rheumatoid arthritis, is now raising awareness of JAI, as I mentioned. Um, and I think what people don't really appreciate is that for many of us, I think it's around 50, 60 percent of the stat um, that it, that continues on into adulthood. Um in various forms and I think since I've started sharing my story that seems to be the one thing that people just don't have awareness of I think people appreciate now kids can get arthritis I don't think they realize that you know half of us that drops off a cliff when you get to sort of adulthood and for the other half that carries on um how important do you think it is to raise awareness of arthritis being more than just an old person's disease as a, a phrase you and I use quite a lot on social media but I think it's important <laughs> to keep pointing out that it's not um and have you sort of encountered any stigma around this? Yeah, so I just think it's so important because, um, as we've already said, like arthritis affects so many parts of your life. And, you know, just feel like there's not enough support for people like children who are, you know, in school, dealing with lessons, PE, um, having to balance appointments, all of that um, sort of around their normal life. And I just think if 
people are more aware of the fact that you can get it at quite literally any age, then there can be more support in place to support younger people with arthritis. And same with, you know, university, getting your first job. There's um, so many sort of barriers sometimes when people aren't aware. So, you know, I just hope that one day we can stop getting that response sort of, oh, my gran has that. Or, oh, I thought that's just for old people. Like, um, I've encountered so many like people that just don't believe me. Like I remember um, this lady, she was like, she asked me why I needed a seat. So I just told her and she just didn't believe me. She was like, I have rheumatoid arthritis. You're way too young for that. And she was like, what medication are you on then? And I was like this. And she was still convinced that I was just telling her like my grand's medication. And I was like, why of all things would this be the thing that I want? Like if I want to make my seed, what if I want to make something up, like why do you think I would choose to say that I have arthritis like I could tell you all sorts I could tell you you know like I don't know like yeah. I'm, I go for coffee with some famous celebrity but no you think that I'm going to make this up <laughs> yeah it's, it's, a, it's a random thing for a young woman to bring up if, if you're going to make it up I think yeah uh, but yeah I think the bit that annoys me is the how people think it's the inevitability of it and it's not you know so like I literally can't have a conversation with somebody over a certain age that doesn't say oh yeah I've got a bit of wear and tear in my knee and it's just like it was too totally my body randomly attacking itself since I was a kid and not in your scenario since you were three if not before is so yeah. very different to you know the example I use is like a plumber having bad knees because they spent most of their career under under a sink you know it might <laughs> it might be on paper still be arthritis but that that inevitability that people seem to think that it oh yeah everyone gets that when they get older um it's a very different story when you're living with it through for your childhood years and your teenage years and, and, and throughout adulthood um so yeah <laughs> um, have you this might be hopeful thinking but you know I ask it a lot because just to try and give me some sort of sense to carry on because we're making a difference somewhere but have you seen a change in attitudes over the years at all or or is this still sort of very much something that's, that's sort of stuck in stone um it's weird because within our community I feel like there's a lot of you know awareness um about JIA and just young people getting arthritis and you know like we said like NRAS now have their JIA at NRAS branch of things you know there are more things out there but I feel like it's still only reaching those that are affected, like these resources that are new to for about young people. It's still only reaching the young people with arthritis and not much of the general public. Um, I think there is some improvement, but I wouldn't say I'm satisfied with it at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like people are more open to listening as well, I think. Um, when I tell sort of my friends and stuff, you know, I've seen that it's a lot easier to tell people and they're sort of... I get less comments about, you know, oh, my gran has that or isn't that for old people. But that's just sort of, I think I'm lucky to have quite, you know, non-ignorant friends. <laughs> um, but when I'm out and about in like, you know, just in the public, like it's still a very much um, an unknown thing. Like when you need to sit down on the tube, um, I've got a TFL badge that says, please offer me a seat. And people still feel like they need to ask me like, why does a young girl like you need a seat? And it's and when you say they're like, oh, my grand has that, and it's like, great. What do you want me to do with that? <laughs> <laughs> and also, I wouldn't be able to help myself for saying like, if you if you're able-bodied, why do you need to know? <laughs> you know, because you know, unless unless there's some sort of desperate need for a competition there between who deserves it the most. If if it's just a busy train and and somebody's taking that seat and and they don't need it, then they they shouldn't hmm. need to know the reason. But unfortunately, human nature, people like to um 
prior on that stuff so yeah sorry you still experience that but I'm gonna I'm gonna jump a little bit ahead because you mentioned there about in our community you see that things are great and that sort of leads nicely onto my next sort of point I was going to mention is that sort of Instagram has been a huge game changer for highlighting the experience with young people I know for I operate across all the platforms but the, the, the tight-knitness of the sort of what goes on on Instagram is something I haven't experienced with arthritis any in any other sort of situation in my life and I think that's it's, it helps a lot of us you know we often think we're trying to help other people but I think we all know that we're leaning on each other at the same time um, and and it obviously allows us to connect with people in a similar situation of our own where sort of traditionally like I mentioned earlier the alternative might be like a patient support group in a village hall or something and and traditionally that sort of demographic or the agenda of what might be on that varies massively from location to location I, I literally went to one where um had nothing to do with arthritis they played table tennis and talked about knitting <laughs> and, just, oh. <laughs> and so, so so it can be very much hit and miss and then others are fantastic and doing you know well-being walks and looking at the mental health side and all this sort of thing so with what you see on instagram and what we've talked about already do you think and this is slightly leading because you know my opinion on this, but do you think there are opportunities to go further with this? For example, like on Instagram, we're appealing to a sort of quite a particular age range and, and they're all for it, but how do we sort of go beyond appealing to Instagram and the people that are in it? Like, can we do this on other platforms, do you think? Or do you see an opportunity for us to um, sort of try and raise that awareness where we're sort of almost not preaching to the choir, if that makes sense? Yeah, no, I completely understand because, yeah, we're just reaching the people that are interested in our content because they also have the same or similar conditions. But I think already it's just great because you do see, like, for example, some influencers that have um, arthritis, you know, people that do other stuff like fashion or makeup. And then when they share that side, their followers that they already had from just makeup and stuff will now be aware of the conditions they have and stuff like that so I I think there is still a lot of potential to raise more awareness through Instagram by sort of collaborations and like you know like if pages that aren't dedicated to arthritis also shared information about it then it will be reaching more people that other than those that already have it but um I just think what we're doing is already such a great start just because for us to raise awareness and you know keep sort of fighting the good fight <laughs> um we need to feel sort of safe and comfortable to do that. We need to feel empowered. And I I think our Instagrams really do help us with that. It feels like it's worth it, you know, share, putting our stories out there. So I do think it's a great start. And I definitely think there's um, a lot more we can do. Like anything to hope, I suppose, that spills over into other other platforms or other communities, doesn't it? You know, that's, that's that mm-hmm. ground swell that is definitely, definitely happening at the moment. So, um, so yeah keep up good work on that front um so a couple of questions sort of away from the social media and the sort of more coming back to yourself um we've we've talked about this a little bit already but how do you think having arthritis as a child sort of shaped you sort of thinking about the sort of JA awareness week and everything this week um I often refer to as a sort of made me stubborn and determined and trying to prove people wrong whether they're good or bad traits you know let others judge but um how do you think having having arthritis as a child shaped you um I think it definitely made me more resilient um you know it sounds a bit arrogant but when I'm going through something difficult I find comfort in knowing that I've already got through things that I found way more difficult like 
I I started school not speaking English because my parents are from Sri Lanka. They didn't speak much English and I didn't get to go to nursery because I lived in hospital for a year. So I had to, I had a translator. I was learning English while <laughs> trying to like, you know, <laughs> do school and all that stuff. And I still did quite well. And I think it's made me sort of quite determined, like you say, and it's just, um, if there's an obstacle, it doesn't instantly put me off. I feel I feel like I can overcome challenges because I've had to do it every step of my life. <laughs> and do you, um, sort of just more of a topical question, I try not to bang on too much because everyone's sick to death of the whole COVID situation, but it's a question that comes up in my inbox quite a lot. It's like, do you think the pandemic has helped or hindered the ability to raise awareness and, and bring communities together, in your opinion? Okay, so... In terms of bring communities together, I'd say definitely. I'd say people, there was a fly on my head. <laughs> um, I think like, you know, people spend a lot more time at home and people, a lot. I think a lot of us started um, our Instagrams or started posting more with the pandemic, having more time to do so. And it, uh, I think it really allowed a lot of people to make connections because I guess people just had a lot more spare time. And in terms of raising awareness as well, I think definitely like, in terms of accessibility, for example, you know, like all the things that we dreamed of and were told weren't possible are literally the new normal now, you know. We were told you have to be in the office every day or you can't do this, you can't do that. Like I remember um, when I used to miss lectures that weren't recorded, I would ask them if they could record it for me so that I could watch them later. And they were like, if you come to the lecture, you can bring like a like a voice recorder thing and record it. And I was like, no, but the problem is I can't physically get there. If I can get there, I will, you know, pay attention and do the work. I don't care about the recording, but it's more when I can't get there. But now everything's online, isn't it? <laughs> so I think... What's really worrying there is that I went to university probably at least 10 years before you, and that was the solution I had. So it really bothers me that in that time that they haven't they haven't developed, like why hasn't their attitudes changed? So literally I was given a dictaphone and I had to get a friend to leave it at the front who nobody wanted to do. And, and mm -hmm. um, yeah, that, that's worrying because the technology has been there for so long, hasn't it? To, mm -hmm. to do yeah, they said that it has to be me. Someone can't do it for me either. And also, you know, dictaphones is just audio. Like our lecturers draw stuff. So how, I don't know how I'm meant to see that through an audio recording. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I think a lot of companies now are sort of adopting this blended way of learning um, and working, you know, where you can do some work from home, some work in. Like I do that at the moment. So normally I would be in the office um, nine to five. I'd be in labs or I'd be in the office. But now I do my lab work and then I do the rest from the comfort of my own home, which is really a game changer because like I don't have to wake up and make a commute every morning. I can just get up and go to my desk, which is like 10 steps away from my bed. And it's I think. I think it has helped people understand that these sort of adaptations aren't going to affect our productivity. And if they are, it's going to be in a positive way, not a negative way. And I think we've got to do as much as we can to push back on that sort of human instinct of going back to where we were, because I've already started mm -hmm. to see some of that happen. I'm sort of having to try and explain that, you know, them two hours I'd spend doing my morning routine because I'm now not commuting and ironing shirts and all this sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm not completely letting myself go. I am still sort of scrubbing up for webcam, but you know, <laughs> you, you save a lot of time there where you'd be sitting in a traffic jam, or whatever, you know, that was pretty much the primary reason I went from walking my dog, 
10 minutes, 20 minutes in the morning to walking five or six miles. And because of that time, and so trying to explain to them that I'm using that time back for my health and for my well-being, not to mention if you're on biologics and other things, it's scary how many how little in terms of infections I've got compared to what I was getting in an office environment. So mm-hmm. um, so I think, yeah, we, we've got to keep hammering that point because I think it's so easy for people to go back to, to the old way. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you raised some really good points there. Um, so, so I appreciate I jumped around a little bit on that just because of, of, of the way the conversation was going. Um, but I suppose the sort of last sort of little section I wanted, I wanted to ask you about is sort of, Thankfully, great strides have been made in highlighting arthritis in children with campaigns such as the Web Help for JA one that we've been talking about and Instagram accounts such as yours um, being the sort of prime examples. Do you think more could be done to raise awareness of living with long-term conditions such as arthritis throughout someone's sort of life cycle? So, for example, what I'm getting at here is that, you know, we talked earlier about that gap between kids with arthritis and older people with arthritis. Um, do you still think there's an issue there in supporting somebody throughout that that journey? Yeah, definitely. I think it's very much it's very hands on as a child and as an adult, it's very hands off. Like everything is up to you. You know, they're they're not checking in on you all the time. It's absolutely up to you to keep chasing them up. And um, I just think that they need to make sure that you're still being quite well supported because sometimes when you're going through a bad time. Um, it's really difficult to like sort of reach out for help. So like, you know, making sure that they are still checking in on patients when they haven't heard from them in a while, even if it's just a phone call, because obviously now we get phone call appointments, which I think have been great um, for the most part, you know? So I think definitely, and like having someone to talk to like about different life stages, um, because obviously a rheumatologist just looks at your joints and your blood tests and sort of goes from there. But what about, how you're feeling about starting university with arthritis what why can't you know why can't your rheumatologist tell you some things that you should mention to your university's disability service to support you or when you're getting your first job like they should be telling you what to look for and there are so many different aspects you know when you want to have your first child all this stuff um a lot of the treatment is very much sort of like sort of based on the results you know you start this medication your inflammation's gone down okay cool or your inflammation is not good. Okay, new medication, but there's not enough about your mental well-being and the different parts of your life. I think. Yeah, no, bang on. And and for somebody whose arthritis has never shown in blood tests, like literally, my inflammation markers will just flutter slightly. And obviously, if they've just seen somebody before you that has a massive spike in that, the amount of times that you walk in, I could actually tell you the times that I've walked in after somebody whose blood test results are a lot worse because it almost waters down and and trying to get them to see the impact on the individual's life. You know, there's a reason I work for a mental health trust um, and there's a reason why I make a lot of noise online about sort of bringing together multidisciplinary teams and this sort of thing, because yeah, unfortunately I think a lot of rheumatologists, even though they mean well, they are looking at x-rays and blood test results. And, and when you're someone like me where that isn't an obvious thing, I think that impact, you know, I remember having one appointment where I'm literally sitting there crying, explaining how I was about to lose my job. And I did lose my job because of a flare. Um, you know, I couldn't start a family because of the treatment. I couldn't do X, Y, and Z. They literally ended the conversation. And thankfully this was just as somebody I never saw again. He was just standing in. Um, 
yeah, but your blood tests look good. And I literally wanted to throw something out because I was like, they've been good since I was 11. Trust me, my, yeah. my knees used to be like balloons and my 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 blood test would be fine. So I think, yeah, that is a frustrating experience. I think that the positive there for anyone listening and, and having, who has a similar experience, I'm sure there'll be many, is that steps are being made to address that, what happens in between that six monthly yearly consultation, you know, in the forms of technology and other things. Um, and I won't say any more or name anything because I don't want to get in trouble. But um, but yeah, there are there are things that are being developed. I've, I've helped particularly with um, Saras Association focus group I was on and, and others um, where I've given sort of patient feedback on that. So the thought of being able to say to your rheumatologist, well, I haven't seen you for four months. Everything looks great now. But two months ago, look how bad it was. That's going to be, I think, a game changer for us because the nature of our condition just fluctuates so much. You can guarantee that when that sort of yearly appointment comes around, they'll see you at your best, <laughs> and you'll <seem laughs> see you at your worst. <laughs> so yeah, that's that, that, that's that's something to offer a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I suppose to sort of to round this off, I'm conscious I'm conscious of your time, and thank you for squeezing this in on, on what's a busy week, probably for both of us. Um, what what does the future hold for Saruthi? I, I appreciate that's a big question, but sort of in terms of the management of your condition and sort of plans for your awareness work. So like, you know, are you optimistic, hopeful? Do you do you see the sort of management of your condition getting easier with things on the horizon or, you know, tackle that however you want. I appreciate that's a big one, but um, <laughs> just sort of, yeah, it'd be interesting to know sort of what, where you see things going. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to answer that in two parts. So firstly, my condition. Um, I think over the years, you know, I've definitely seen an improvement in my treatment. And part of that is me advocating for myself. Um, and hopefully, you know, it can be even better managed in the future. Um, I guess only time will tell because obviously the condition fluctuates a lot as well. You know, sometimes it's quiet, sometimes it's very loud. But I do feel better equipped to deal with that now. Um, and in terms of my awareness, well, I guess I just want to go bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, like I feel like I have a voice now and it's so nice to reach people. Like there are people that I know that have like started an Instagram account, like to talk about the chronic chronic illness because of me, which is like so like crazy. And I get messages from people like I always read my requests and I get messages from people like um, the other day I had a mom who like didn't know anyone else this young who got diagnosed with JA this young. And she was asking me like, how she can sort of help get her daughter diagnosed. I get people being like, oh my God, I'm starting university. I've never seen someone who's like complete university and dealt with arthritis at the same time. And it's just want to keep reaching more people by sharing sort of all the different ways it affects me. And yeah, just go bigger. <laughs> Hopefully start reaching people from other communities too. Brilliant. And, and and thank you for saying that because you wouldn't believe how many people I speak to that almost feel like, I don't know, embarrassed or that they, they shouldn't target a bigger audience. And I'll often say to all, no, the more people we reach, the more change that we can make. There is there is actually no shame in in trying to um do things on a bigger scale. And, you know, that's something I try to do myself. Yeah. And and because that's um, kind of why we started this, isn't yeah. it? To raise yeah. awareness. And, and, I, and I think sometimes... Yeah. Sometimes you do fall into it. Like mine was a ranty Facebook post about the biosimilar switch that ended up getting shared something like over a hundred times on Facebook. And and I have a private, um, a sort of fairly private lockdown Facebook account. But that, but even something like that was just like, oh, okay, there's loads of people that sit in there thinking it was just them, and it just mm-hmm. needs that little spark. Um, 
but yeah, I think then once you start getting into it and having the daily conversations that you and I obviously are having with people online, you realize how much there is a need there, don't you? Both for, mm-hmm. both for representing people and giving them a voice, but also to educate those who aren't, um, aren't familiar. Um, brilliant. Thank you ever so much um, for all of that. And like I say, I will share Sarithi's um, Instagram and everything in the show notes so you can um, you can go and give her a follow. Um, and please keep your questions coming as well. As I've received loads recently. Uh, the, the podcast seems to be reaching a whole new audience, which is fantastic. Um, lots of people recommend it to their, to their husbands as well, which is good because I know us as men, we're not very good at reaching out for help. And if I'm getting a lot of um, a lot of messages from men saying, um, my wife told me to listen to this and thank you, X, Y, Z. So what I would say is keep the questions coming in. Um, if there's anything you want us to cover and particularly people like Saruthi, I'm sure she'd be happy. If not, I'm going to put you on the spot now and get you to come back again. <laughs> I'm sure she'd, she'd come back if you wanted us to drill down. And obviously we have to cover everything a little bit high level today, but I'm, I'm keen as these episodes progress that we can go into things a little bit more, you know, so one Saruthi in particular, I thought, you know, one day you and I have to talk about our sort of high school experiences because I think that's one that comes up quite a lot. Um, unfortunately, still today, you know, the same experience as I was having sort of 20 years ago is still happening today. So that sort of thing. So anyone listening to this, if, if there's anything in particular you'd like me to cover, give me a shout. And, um, and obviously any sort of well wishes for Saruthi and everything, I'll pass them on or thank yous. Um, so thank you so much for joining me today, Saruthi. It's been an absolute pleasure talking with you again. I say again, it feels like we talk. Thank you, I'm honoured. <laughs> but yeah, no, thank you for coming on and, and and also bearing with me. Um, I had a couple of messages lately saying about what's my schedule. And like I've always said, I'm somebody with arthritis doing a podcast about chronic illness. If you expect me to get these out to a schedule, then we need to talk so I can tell you why that isn't possible <laughs> because I think we've probably had to cancel this interview about three times. So that's, that's, that's all on me. So, um, so yeah, thank you ever so much for accommodating that. Um, I'll place all the links and everything in the show notes along with all the NRAS and wear purple for JIA day stuff. Um, and the usual reminder for me that if you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on and leave a review. You can also send me your comments and feedback via the website, joelversusarthritis.co.uk. It helps massively and allows me to improve future content and episodes. You can find more podcasts, articles and news on joelversusarthritis.co.uk and also follow me on social media where I'm at joelversusarthritis, all one word, on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Thank you very much for listening.